Let's open our Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're still studying uh, characteristics of uh, carnality, and we're just going through the book, so uh, please don't shoot the postman. <laughs> I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what God said. All right. Uh, don't get mad at me. Uh, I don't want God getting mad at me. I got to I got to tell it like it is. All right. First Corinthians 11. And uh, verse one. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying having his head covereth, or covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all one as if she were shaven." For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. <clears throat> uh, help us to uh, seek to be spirit-led. Uh, spirit-filled, help us to walk after the things of the Spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to recognize characteristics of uh, immaturity in Christ and carnality, and help us to go on under perfection, to grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We yield to your Spirit now that He would direct us and lead and guide us as to what to say, how to say it, and that you would open the uh, eyes of our understanding. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, and we pray that you'd uh, take charge now and power uh, the teaching, the preaching, the hearing of thy word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a very short review. Uh, there are three types of men in Paulinian theology, New Testament doctrine. First of all is natural. So the natural man is lost, undone, without God. All he knows is uh, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. He loves the world. He's in the world. And he is uh, hopelessly undone until he comes to Christ by faith. Second man is carnal. He is saved, born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but still immature, has not grown in grace, and he is sensitive. He's controlled by uh, what he sees, what he hears, what he smells, what he tastes, what he feels. He is uh, still very immature uh, and a slave to the lust of the flesh. Third type is what we are seeking to be spiritual, to grow in grace, hide the word in our heart, be transformed by the renewing of the mind, and uh, to be spiritual 
always to seek the Lord early while he may be found and to go on um, unto perfection. So we've looked at this just briefly in the past, but the key to move from being carnal to spiritual, this is very important, is the renewing of the mind. That's what Paul said in Ephesians, be tr have a renewing of the spirit of the mind. And, and then, excuse me, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to be, be not conformed this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So it's that mind change in the spirit. And that's why Paul said in Romans 8, uh, if you're in the flesh, you're natural, you can be in the spirit, you're saved to be carnal, but the goal is to walk in the spirit and after the spirit to be uh, spirit filled. So the renewed mind is what we want. This is what we need to teach. This is the solution to the problem. This is the miracle that God works that moves a carnal Christian to becoming a spiritual Christian. Uh, to desire and resolve once and for all, the Word of God, the old King James, will be the handbook for living. I will read this book, memorize it, meditate upon it, hide it in my heart. I resolve to live by this book, not as uh, a hope for heaven, but as a way of life. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we looked at the signs of carnality, the evidences of it, comparison because of envy, jealousy, not being content with what God gave you and who God made you to be. And then you have this competition leads to strife, uh, win the game, to have more, to do more, to look different, uh, these types of things. And then we looked at the contradiction, which is division. So uh, we are seeking unity. Uh, every member in the body has no hidden agenda, no uh, ego, as they call it, no selfish ambition, but to love one another. So the next, uh, we're just going to pick this up where we left off. The next characteristic of uh, carnality is a lack of submission to the authority of God, which is evidenced by the hair. I know this. Uh, don't get mad at me. Just take it up with God. If you, This is another chapter you can rip out of your Bible if, if you don't like this one. Uh, so, a lack of submission to God's authority, evidenced by um, the hair. So, there are, and this is just an overview, but uh, it's pretty important if God gave this chapter to it. So, there are four types of hair. Pretty simple. You have bald, on purpose. Not, not God. Remember, Elisha was bald-headed, and they mocked him, and the she-bears came out of the woods ate them up, uh, when you purposely shave your head. Secondly, long hair. Thirdly, short hair, which is the opposite of long. And the Bible calls this polled. Uh, so in uh, 2 Samuel, when uh, Absalom polled his hair, cut it, 
And, and then you have shorn. So this is, this is all you get. You get a bald head, a shorn head, short hair, or long hair. And the Bible uh, tells us that this hair is given uh, for, and it specifically mentions women, um, and I'm just going to mention these briefly. First of all, the woman's hair is for power. Now, you better believe what the Bible said. Don't cut your power off. I, and I know we all like easier to maintain in these things. Don't cut your power off. It shows you're submitted to God. Number two, it is the glory of a woman. Why would you want to cut your glory off? Number three, it is given for a covering. So the hair uh, has three very, very important aspects. The first one, protocol. The identification of the two sexes. I know the world doesn't like this, but men are to have short hair. Women are to have long hair. Now, I have a right to say this for two reasons. One of them, or three. One of them is in the Bible. There it is. Like it or lump it. Uh, number two, I'm called to preach, and I got to an answer to God for what I preach. Number three, I have lived this. So I used to have long hippie hair. All right. I, I have repented of my long hippie hair. I cut it off. I had uh, a zipper head at one time. I remember the first time I heard Brother Olaf preach in public. I went up to meet him, and he's preaching on long-haired, zipper-headed preach. And that's when down the middle, uh, shag. And uh, so I, I was embarrassed. I, went, I cut it off. So I, I have a right to say this for those three reasons. Um, but it's protocol. So men are to have short hair. Women are to have long hair. Uh, you probably heard the funny illustration. It, it's happened to me one time. I was on vacation. I'm watching these people talk. And I said, uh, man, that woman has long hair. Turned around, it was a man. <laughs> uh, pretty scary. And then it's happened the opposite, too. Seen a, a shorn hair, uh, a butched-off woman. And remember, John R. Rice wrote that book, Bobbed-Haired, Bossy Wives, and Women Preachers. Look it up. Bob, in the old days, back in the, uh, I think it started in the 20s with the uh, flappers, these, these zoot-suited flapper girls in the Prohibition, very evil culture of uh, bands and uh, jazz, things like that. They started bobbing their hair, and they, it just got shorter and shorter, and they cut it shorter and shorter. This went into... Um, Rosie the Riveter in uh, World War II, where women worked in factories, things like that. And uh, they just bobbed it off with and that bobtail. Is that because of a bobcat? I don't really know where that came from. Has no tail, has no long hair, but it's just protocol. Men have short hair. Women ought to have long, beautiful hair. Number two, it shows your submission to authority. Whether you like it or not, maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you didn't know. But the Bible tells us 
that Christ is the head of the man, the man is the head of the woman, and when the man cuts his hair short, that shows visibly that he fears God and he follows Christ. And then when the woman has long hair, that shows visibly that she fears God. She's in submission to her husband as her husband is in submission to God. Now, a lot of people don't like this. I don't care if you like it or not. It's in the Bible, and we as Bible believers don't change. Don't let what the world's doing make you do something different. Submission. Number three, authority. So, as we talked about, this authority, notice, if a man gets long hair, he's going to lose his authority. If a woman gets short hair, gets short hair, she's going to lose her authority. So this relates to the power that God wants to put on a life, the glory that God wants to shine through a life, and this um, covering. So just say this a couple things. Uh, some people, I think, misinterpret this and have done things wrong. And, and I know you, men ought to always take off their hat. Supposed to when you go indoors. That's hard to find anymore. But also, when you pray, take your hat off. Why? You don't want to pray covered. And then the women in the old days, they would wear the big hats uh, to, to church. They don't take their hat off at church. And they have long hair. Why? Because it is given by God for a covering. And so this is a protection. Notice this. Not only is it protocol, gender of sex, male or female, not only is it submission to authority, not only does it give authority uh, through power, glory, um, and a covering, but there's something spiritual. We can't deny this. Um, that covers us, and notice the fourth thing, protects us. It, it's a covering. So if a man tries to pray covered, he's going to have some trouble. If a woman tries to pray uncovered, and notice the context here. Authority, chain of command, and notice this, prayer. Now, you can believe this if you want to or not. If you violate these principles, it's going to affect your prayer life. It's going to affect whether you have power with God to get your prayers answered. So it's up to you. You know, if, if you want to do something that violates the Bible, lose your power, lose your authority, lose your protective covering, and lose uh, this connection with God to get your prayers answered, um, that's up to you. So the Bible plainly says, if a woman is not going to have long hair, says so she might as well just bald her head or shorn it. Now, shorning is what we call a taper. So, you know, we, we uh, don't have blocks in the back. Men, they taper it up. And, that, and that's taken from that animal. I think it lives in Africa or South America. The taper has a long snout, but it kind of looks like a hip, hippopotamus. His hair is very stiff and bristly. 
you know, and you know if you got a good haircut or not if it's bristly. So if you can do that and it feels prickly, that's a good haircut for a man. <laughs> and that is a, what we call a good taper. So you can call it high and tight, elderly cut, um, military cut, prickly taper. Now, on the other hand, women ought to have long, beautiful hair. Uh, and I don't know why they don't want to be feminine. Uh, I don't understand it. They ought to be, have, want to be very feminine. Um, and why? It's your power. It's your covering. Don't cut it off. If you don't like it, there's a whole verb. Now, now look what it says here. This is scary. Look what it says in uh, verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now, this is a whole Bible study, but the angels are watching how women cut their hair. This is scary. Angels are watching. Does a woman bald her head, shorn her head, have short hair, or long hair for submission and authority and power, which is protection? And I fully believe that uh, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, when there was this onslaught of fallen angels and Nephilim. Uh, it's happening right now because they're watching that the whole world is out of course. The whole world is rebelling against the authority of God they do not want to submit to Almighty God, and they don't like God's gender of the sexes. Male and female created He them. Amen. Now, we need to really consider this, teach our children, live it, practice it, right. and uh, there it is. <laughs> there 1 Corinthians 11, read it and rejoice or read it and weep. It's either uh, praise the Lord or woe is me. And it's amen. Thank you for your support. All right, let's move on. Don't shoot the mailman. You know, if the mailman brings you a high electric bill, don't get mad at the mailman. He didn't, he didn't do anything. All right, next, uh, let's keep reading. Chapter 11, look at verse 17. And so the next characteristic of carnality is a misunderstanding and abuse of the Lord's Supper. A misunderstanding and an abuse of the Lord's Supper. So look what it says in verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now look at this. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now, of all things, what caused this division, it was the Lord's Supper. And they were bringing food to God's house, and the rich people were bringing a lot and having banquets, and then the poor people didn't have any. And this was causing 
the, the uh, rich were looking down their snoots at, uh, oh, they don't have much. And then the poor people were going, well, man, I don't have enough of that. And it was causing a schism uh, in the body, and God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. So they, they weren't using the Lord's Supper to unify and love and all have the same burden and purpose. They were using it to show off how much money they had. It's really so, and also very, very gluttonous. So let's keep reading here. Look what it says, verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not uh, to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? So they didn't have much food. What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So then he goes and tells them, this is what the Lord instituted to remember his death till you come. This is in verses 23 through uh, 25. And then look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation. Boy, this is scary. To himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So this is all about what? Discerning the Lord's body. Do we understand? that God placed our sin on the body of Christ and he vicariously died in our place, innocent dying for the guilty, should have been us on the cross. We're the wicked sinners. We deserve hell, but he loved us and took our place. And so the Lord's Supper, we need to discern the Lord's body. So some people were casual some people treated it as a fellowship. It's not a potluck dinner. It's not a Baptist casserole, all right? It's to remember the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. Now, they were using it, this is hard to believe, for gluttony. They were eating too much, even getting drunk in God's house, in the Lord's Supper. You know, uh, we're joking about this. They call it potluck. And everybody, what if every church member brought um, potato salad? <laughs> so that would be bad potluck uh, fellowship. Or if everybody brought green bean casserole or whatever, bad luck. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, or hot dogs or whatever it is. Beans and uh, rice. Um, so they number one, gluttony. Number two, they did not discern the Lord's body. They were taking it lightly, and that's very important. And then they did not understand the religious sanctity, if you will, of the ordinance of the New Testament church. There was um, no 
uh, fear of God. And then what did that do? It divided the church, didn't unify the church, split people, caused people to think a certain way in which they shouldn't, caused people to feel a certain way in which they shouldn't. And so then what did he say? Two things happened. Some people are asleep. They died by the judgment of God. Secondly, there are those sickly among you. So people in the church were getting health problems because they were taking the Lord's Supper lightly. And why did they do that? They didn't discern the Lord's body. So we know these things. Now, it's not our place to judge somebody else. It says, let every man do what? Judge himself. So we come to the Lord's Supper. We're not to judge others if they're worthy. I judge myself if I'm worthy. Amen. You judge yourself if you're worthy. And it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. You would be surprised how many church members misunderstand and abuse the Lord's Supper all across Christendom in supposedly Bible-believing churches. All right, next. And lastly, which some of you will love, uh, for, let's look at chapter 12. Look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit, our ghost. So we need to interpret this verse in light of the context. Corinth had many gods, so nobody could call Jesus Lord in Corinth and not be saved. Now, we're not, we're spiritual Corinth, but there's a lot of false profession. In that day, they will say unto him, Lord, have we not done many mighty works in their name? And he will profess unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you. So this doesn't apply to us doctrinally on calling Jesus Lord. Many people call him Lord, and he's not their Lord. So then he goes on to say, and look at verse uh, 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the misunderstanding and abuse of spiritual gifts is the uh, last one we're going to mention. We may do a whole study on this. It's very important. But look how cunning and deceitful the devil is. These charismatics who think they're so spiritual, and they have the double baptism of the Spirit, blessing and fullness. They don't even know that these gifts are no longer in existence. But you'll see a lot of carnal Christians 
who are just learning or totally deceived. Is that possible? I don't know. Be totally confused on spiritual gifts. So just to say this and we'll be through. But the next chapter tells us when the word of God came, the perfect law of liberty, it replaced the spiritual gifts. So nobody has the gift of healing. Nobody has the gift of uh, prophecy to get a new word straight from God. There's not a word of wisdom. There's not a word of knowledge. These gifts were to Israel. Why? The Jews require a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. These were signs to convince Jews that Jesus Christ was their Messiah. When the complete written word of God came, it nullified these gifts. Now, if you want to study it, the gifts that still exist are in Romans chapter 12. They're listed in Romans 12, but uh, there's nobody that has the gift of healing that everybody they touch and lay hands and pray for is going to get healed. It's simply no longer in existence. And even Paul, now notice this, toward the end of his life, he was going blind. The apostle Paul's going blind. He couldn't even heal people at the end of his life as the apostolic dispensation was almost over, transitioning into the written word of God. Even Paul needed glasses. So, Let's know the context and the doctrine and the transitions of these dispensations. And it's very sad when somebody thinks they're spiritual when they're devil-possessed. <laughs> they think they're spiritual when they're faking, uh, uttering these... Uh, supposed tongue. Nobody has the gift of tongues, and nobody has the gift of interpretation of tongues. Lasta Lashanaha Tamabota. How's it go? Makawasaki filed another plug. I should have bought a Yamaha. Something like that. Uh, blow my nose. Blow my nose. Blow my, blow, blow my nose. Um, yeah. Snot a lot of blow my nose at Tamabota. There it is. So, I just got this word of knowledge. Somebody in this room needs to write me a big check. Wait a minute. I've got this gift. We're not, and you know what they'll do? Yeah, it's over here. And then you know what they'll do? Let's get your pocket and jingle it. You got any change in there? We'll put that in the offering plate. Let's all get our checkbook out and write a huge check. No, there's, it's absolute heresy. Right. Now, there's, how many baptisms are there? One. Into the body of Christ by the Spirit. They claim you need a second baptism to get filled with the Spirit, and then you have to speak in tongues as an evidence of that. So I, I can tell you a lot of stories I've dealt with on that. But we are out of time. So uh, let's, yeah, I, I really like picking on tongues, people.